Money FM 89.3, the best of your money. Read with Michelle Martin. Has Sheng Siong displaced Fair Price as the Heartlanders' choice supermarket? Listen, I wasn't sure whether I wanted to pick up a book about a supermarket, but today, readers, we're going to dive deep into a new book that discusses many interesting questions as it tells the story of the Fair Price Group. Fair Price started with just one store in Topayo in 1973, where we are right now, Topayo. The first NTUC then, by the way, was called the NTUC Welcome Supermarket before a rebrand and as it celebrates its 50th year in existence many questions can be asked about the fair price group is it still relevant to the demographic that most needs affordable groceries this is read with me michelle martin and i am delighted to find out more about a new book called the price of being fair with the book's co-editor su anxia and peixing hui good morning hi michelle good morning thanks for having us well thanks for coming by and talking books with me first up what does it take to make the the story of a supermarket a good read i think that has been a real challenge i mean when we first um, started on this project it is a household brand and you see fair price everybody knows it and you probably spend um, once twice a week in an outlet but um so you're very familiar with the brand but do you actually know what went on behind you know what has happened over the last 50 years and then if you look at uh, any bookstores in Singapore you walk in you'll find that actually there are no lack of books on global brands Amazon um Google um or even uh, Asian brands like Alibaba no lack of brands but then when you try to find a book on a well-known Singapore brand the likes of DBS Singapore Airlines Singtel or or what have you and they're not there they are not there. there there seems to be a real gap in in our understanding of um singapore's corporate stories mm-hmm. and i think that that can really help us understand our country and our society a lot better and with that kind of approach we think okay i think that is a real challenge to be telling such a story but it is really important for us to be able to share what really goes on behind a household brand like NTUC Fairprice. We should let listeners know that uh, both of you besides being co-editors are also husband and wife and also share history right here in this building both former journalists is that right? Yes, that's correct. <laughs> okay, so it's so, wonderful to be back here in this place, to be honest. <laughs> Welcome to your old ground. <laughs> um, besides balance, of course, being important to it, telling any story, uh, Sue Ann, help us understand your perspective of how you're going to make the story come alive for a reader. Well, um, for a start, I am actually uh, very excited about this book because I love supermarkets. You know, I'm obsessed with supermarkets. I am a avid shopper of all supermarkets, including Fair Price. So when this opportunity came along to collaborate with uh, Fair Price. I really jumped at it because it's a best blend for me, right, of writing and supermarketing. And to me, since I'm I'm a fan of supermarkets, I just assume everybody loves to supermarkets <laughs> as well. But of course, that's not the truth. Um, so we had to really find out from Fair Price what were the key challenges that they faced, mm. um, so that it will be more relatable uh, to readers. Um, and um, and they were very candid. They shared with us what were their concerns. And as you rightly pointed out at the start, Sheng Xiong was something that they were keeping their eyes on. Uh, competition was obviously a key point. And I think these are the kind of issues that readers would want to know. Mm. And so we really, really dived deep and went behind the scenes to ask these tough questions of how they faced competition head on. 
As you would expect from veteran journalists. I want to dig a little deeper into that theme. So NTUC Fairprice is a social cooperative. It seeks to balance profit and purpose. And there was a very interesting survey uh, back in 2019 that questioned if Fairprice had strayed from its roots as, you know, chatter around town uh, had raised. Had, had Fairprice gone atas? Had it strayed from its social mission? But I wonder if we can first go back to the roots of Fairprice for the listener. What is it? I mean, it's not a company. So how does the structure of fair price fundamentally shape how it runs its business and sets its prices? So fair price, yes, as you said, it's not a company. When it first started in 1973 and till today, it is a cooperative. So um, it already has a social mission and it was set up to moderate the cost of living for consumers. And uh, it also benefits members uh, through rebates and dividends. So that's how um, it also moderates the cost of living for them. You get money back at the end of the year or whatever it is. So this is the structure of fair price and it was there from the start. And so it remains till today how it does this for, for consumers. Xinghui, help us understand the initial pricing and marketing strategies for NTUC that allowed them to win over the heartlanders. I think that because of this social mission that they had from the start in 1973, it was very, very clear. It was to combat profiteering. It was to fight inflation. And in 1973, there was the oil crisis. And after that, there was just rampant inflation, hyperinflation, right? I mean, not in Singapore, but hyperinflation around the world. And it's really timely because um, that's what we're grappling with today again. You know, there's this big word of inflation that, that we, everyone is talking about. And so what FairPrice is able to do was that they could actually go direct to um, the importers and bring things in, in bulk at that point and to help control the prices and make sure that um, profiteering would be reduced, if not completely eliminated. And I think that those were his early goals, mm. which that they have then subsequently been able to expand with their growing business from one outlet, like you mentioned earlier in Topayo, to today 570 touch points all across, reaching out um, to pretty much all the different uh, estates that we have in Singapore, including convenience stores, including kopitiams and whatnot. And mm. with that kind of skill that they have today, that is that is how they are able to really keep prices at an affordable um, range. Yeah, there isn't, there's hardly a mall, shall we say, that doesn't have a fair price in it. But what was interesting in this book that I learned was uh, there was a time where it wasn't so easy for Fairprice to get sort of shop space. Tell us about Fairprice being turned away by real estate managers. Yeah, I I think that that was a big surprise to us. So how we went about this book was doing a lot of research and of course, um, as journalists, lots of interviews, lots and lots of interviews. And in one of the interviews with um, the former CEO of Fairprice Group, that's when he shared that actually um, no shopping mall wanted us. And like you said, it's unimaginable today because you see fair price finest everywhere in all the different malls. One particular mall that they, they, they shared with us was actually Paragon, right? And when they approached Paragon to say that, can we have our supermarket there? They were turned down by the landlord. And it's because they said that you are seen as uh, from the heartlands. And if I have you here, it would actually you know, spoil my image a bit, right? Mm. And, and and the quote that, that um, former FairPrice CEO Tan Ken Chu shared with us was, nobody wanted us. Can you believe that there was an, a time where nobody wanted FairPrice in their malls? But that was actually what happened. And to be able to discover these stories and, and have it in our book, I thought that that was really, really fascinating. Really interesting because you think rent is the primary driver of prices and that they would 
as Fair Price Group have their pick of where they wanted to cite themselves, but that is not the case. And so I thought that was really interesting. So let's let's pick up on that scale. It's got scale. It's got financial strength. It's got social consciousness. Um, it's kept shelves stocked in times of crisis. Just think back to eggs when you needed one. We never had to go without an omelet uh, during crisis times. Um, toilet paper was still flowing freely at NTUC Fair Price, although a bit of scuffles, I think, among the kiasu. But in recent times, uh, let me bring up the I word. How well has Fair Price been managing inflation? Okay, so there was a story that the Fair Price Group CEO shared, and it's about eggs, right? Um, in the course of interviews for this book, we realized that everyone has a story about eggs, but this was pretty exciting because uh, the CEO joined uh, a year ago um, in April, and before he joined, uh, one of his friends actually told him, Can you please? take a look about eggs. The prices are going crazy, right? So he went in and goes, okay, I shall ask for all the data on eggs, all the price data, right? And then he was shocked because I think it showed that the prices of eggs went up by about 30% in about 30% in 2022 because of um, um, supply disruption. There was uh, inflation as well, right? And so he thought, I had to do something about this because he said that in his mind, there are five lightning rod items. He call it lightning rod items. Okay. Yeah, that um, is called, I think it's chicken, eggs, noodles, rice, and toilet paper. Staples. Yeah, these are the five lightning rod items that if prices go up, consumers will complain or they will be very um, unhappy and they will go somewhere else, right? Mm. So he said that I have to keep my eye on these five items and make sure that the prices remain stable or at least doesn't surge by too much. Mm -hmm. So he decided that but he decided to look very hard on eggs in particular because I don't know why Singaporeans just love their eggs, right? Soft with their breads and everything. And so he said that I'm going to keep the price of eggs at $6.75. He was very precise. Mm. $6.75 for a tray of 30 eggs for their Pasa House brand all the way until Chinese New Year, eve of Chinese New Year. And uh, I think the competitors didn't. They, they rose, their prices rose, I think. And then he said for that month in January, they had the highest market share because they managed to keep the price of eggs at this certain level. Okay, mm. So he says that that works. So that's the strategy. And um, they actually have a basket of 500 essential goods that they actually do monitor the prices to ensure that it remains affordable. But out of this 500, these five is special attention. Love the nugget. Love the nugget there. When Fair Price first entered the convenience retail sector, it was rubbing up against cheers. How did it manage to carve out its own niche space, shall we say? Their convenience store concept was cheers, so they were going up against 7-Eleven. 7-Eleven, excuse right, me. Right. Yeah. And I think that that is part of um, what I really like about this book that we have produced. It is not um, straightforward, one-dimensional, that Fair Price is this giant, they're very big, right? So they started very small, but then they grew very big. But when they moved into a new arena, which is convenience store, they became the small player again, creating a new concept called Cheers, going up against this global brand called 7-Eleven. So through this book, you'll find that there were instances where you have fair price that is gigantic, taking on smaller rivals. And then there were instances where they grew, where, where they were very new in a new segment mm. and taking on uh, a behemoth, uh, a giant. I, I mean, there was the instance with, with Carrefour yeah. in the 90s and also with 7-Eleven. Yeah. So I think that the breakthrough, they, and, 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 they, and they share with us, when it comes to Cheers, they had a lot of issues because this is not something that they're comfortable with. This, this is a new place that they've moved into. Mm. Right? But the breakthrough for them came when they partner ExxonMobil. Right? 
and ExxonMobil wanted them to take over all the convenience stores in their petrol stations. And that immediately gave them scale. Overnight, they were growing slowly one by one, but overnight, they could just jump to more than 100. That was a breakthrough moment for Cheers as a brand to be able to kind of carve out a good space for themselves despite having 7-Eleven very, very entrenched there. So interesting. So at times it's been Goliath, at times it's been David in these competitor wars. I like your book because, of course, it does give us balance. Can you talk a little about the relative failures of fair prices overseas forays? I think that um, many Singapore brands over the years have been told that um, to go overseas. And of course, because our market is just so small, there's a very natural extension of any business decision. And it's no different from fair price. And in fact, from the 80s, they started to want uh, to, to move out of Singapore. Mm. And as is the case with most businesses here, where's the first place you go to? Malaysia, for sure, right? Mm-hmm. And um, it didn't go so well there, right? But they were undeterred and they went on to places like Myanmar and even China. But... Um, the senior management of FairPrice um, from the past were very, very candid in sharing with us actually most of their foreign forays did not go so well. They didn't find the right partner. The conditions were a little bit different. Uh, it just wasn't quite um, what they were used to in Singapore, right? Mm. And they were very candid. They, they were not afraid. They were not shy to say, hey, it didn't really work out for us. And they were actually able to go into very, very deep details, colourful uh, examples to tell us how it didn't work out. I mean, we have great stories inside about how um, they, in, in China, in Shanghai, you know, they, they, the store managers were, were, were stealing, stealing things from, from within and stuff like that. And, and they struggle, right? So that became really a, a, a wonderful chapter that we have, just focusing on fair price uh, challenges overseas. It tells a great story of a local brand. We are looking at the price of being fair. It's a new book, and the co-editors are joining me live, Su Enxia and Pei Xinghui, in the studio with me. You know, when I think about change and transformation, I think digitalization, we talk a lot about it here. And it seems to me, and correct me if I'm wrong, but was Redmart first with that app? Um, how has fair price managed this transition? And how has it coped in terms of competition against the likes of Redmart? I think uh, you are right. Redmart was first. Um, although Fair Price was there from the start, I think they kind of lagged when it came to the digital space. Um, they assumed, rightly or wrongly, that because we're everywhere, why would anyone want to shop online, right? Mm. I can just go downstairs. I could just take a bus to the nearest town centre. Fair price is there. Why would you want to do like online shopping? That was the thinking of the past, I think. And um, but very but when Redmart came and they realized that people do want to shop online, do want to shop at home, right, and then get things delivered to them, I think they they they, they found that oh my god, I better do something. And so uh, we when we talked to them, they said that we decided that we just had to get down to the they called it the digital dance floor. We had to get down to the dance floor, right, and just. And just uh, boogie with the rest. Mm. And, but they had to do a lot of catch-up, of course. And so um, right now, they are number two after Red Mart. So they are still trying to, to figure out the way to see whether they can be number one in that aspect. Mm, but of course, along the way, there was also Amazon and all that that they had to fight. Yeah. So it's an interesting story there. I think the credit card game is key there. I mean, I plan my credit cards around my discounts. And uh, when I think one of my credit cards no longer had a tie-up with NTUC, I thought, oh gosh, I just signed up for you. What now? Uh, I wonder if you can talk, talk a little bit about Standard Chartered and FairPrice Group working together to launch the Digital Bank, Trust Bank. And where do you see the FairPrice Group going with this move? 
I think it was one of the. It's a it's a natural progression for them. Uh, for them, it's like if we want to get into digital space, we also have to look at digital payments, right? So this was a natural fit. So they were looking at how we should get a digital bank. Although some people would say that are you deviating from your the core business and everything else, but to them, this is just I have to innovate. I have to go with the flow of the times, and this is one way that they think that I can expand my influence and get more customers in, uh, and. Um, played a long game as well. As we look back at FairPrice's history, it is important to uh, note that FairPrice is also made up of the people that staff it. How have the workers of FairPrice fared over the years uh, with the ups and downs of the FairPrice group? And does its structure as a you know, trade union cooperative affect uh, trickle down to the working conditions of its employees? I, I, I think that we... Uh, in the course of writing this book, I think we have just been um, surprised speaking to people who have spent decades with uh, NTUC FairPrice. You know, um, I think right now the chief of procurement has been there for more than forty years. You know, pretty much from day one. And so recently, when they celebrated the fiftieth anniversary and, and they had a big gala dinner over two nights in Marina Bay Sands, and uh, we were invited uh, to to promote our, our book there, and we were pleasantly surprised to see so many of the rank and file. We are talking about your your cashier aunties and whatever. They were all there. And they were all fervently trying to take pictures with our book. I think the passion, the commitment that we see from the frontline staff is is really uh, clear and uh, very encouraging. And I think that for a lot of Singaporeans, we, we could also see that um, during the pandemic when we had, um, where all of us were, were at home. But these people, were, were, were actually, they were actually frontline staff mm. to keep the supermarkets open when um, we're talking about the days before your shots were taken, right? And there were real fear and yet they kept the, sh- the, 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 the outlets open so that we could oh, yeah. get our food. That's a real commitment. And I think that, that showed a certain dedication to... Um, not just the company, but also to the society. Do you think FairPrice is facing significant challenges today, uh, maintaining not only its image, but, but its raison d'etre as an affordable supermarket chain? I think that they face a pretty tough challenge from Sheng Xiong in particular on, on this point. Um, an interesting fact is that um, Sheng Xiong, when we did the research for the book, we realised that Sheng Xiong and FairPrice had a shared history they're actually from, uh, they have the, what we call the same father in terms of uh, the former Labour MP Peyu Kok because he invested funds in this supermarket that eventually was taken over by Sheng Xiong. Mm. So we found that they were steps, we call them step siblings. <laughs> I'm not sure whether they'll be quite happy with that, but yeah. So they shared this. They're in the kind of same family, but um, yet different in a way. And so um, Sheng Xiong has really grown in the heartlands. And I think that you will hear this refrain very often from your aunties like Xing Xiang's cheaper, um, uh, fresher or all these things. And I think FairPrice also hears all these things, right? And they will try and tell you that they they have a strategy with Xing Xiang. Mm-hmm. Um, they have what they call is a warrior store. Warrior stores. So they have right next to Xing Xiang, there's a FairPrice. And these, and these uh, FairPrice will be there to... The, the, the products will be slightly different. The pricing will be slightly different. Interesting. So even the manager who's there is also slightly different, mm. a little bit more competitive. Wow. So there is a strategy and uh, it's interesting. So read about it. I need to go shopping at these warrior stores. <laughs> I'm going to do something a little unconventional and bring uh, to the mic a, a star 
reviewer, shall we say, star reviewer. He is known as a book magnet here in Singapore. <laughs> Leslie Lim from Pan Singh. Leslie, um, what were your thoughts uh, as a reader of this book, The Price of Being Fair? Hi, Michelle. I love the book from, from, the, from the moment uh, Xinghui pitched it to me and started telling me about it. I said, we've got to do this one. <laughs> yeah. It just tells so, so many interesting stories about, about fair price. You know, I'm part of the Madeka generation. Ah. So I grew up, fair price is bread and butter household, but so many new things about it that I've learned about. Yeah. yeah. Uh, like like Suen, I'm a supermarket fan, <laughs> shopper. My wife goes shopping for clothes. I go shopping in supermarket. She'll find me there still <laughs> when she's done. But uh, the book tells so many backstories, right? Yeah. Um, you know, it makes for great reading. I'm not saying that just because I'm the distributor. And wants to I, sell I'd more books. I'd buy it and recommend no. it if I wasn't. <laughs> Thank you very much. That's Leslie Lim there joining me this morning. Sue and Chia and Pei Xing Hui. We've been talking about their new book, The Price of Being Fair. Thank you guys for coming, Min. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.